Hi. Hi, me. All right. Um, so that's it. No. Um, so we, we say that, I am yours. So I, I want us to imagine for a second that we are um, disciples of Christ, like legitimately at the time that Christ was on earth, that we were his disciples, one of his disciples. When you woke up in the morning, what do you think you thought about? Just think about it for a second. What would you, what would you think? I, I think we would think, I mean, we, we would probably be going through the list of things we got to get done that day because we had already left everything, right? And we're following Christ. And so I think we would think, I wonder what Jesus has for us today. I think that's how we would wake up. And we would, and if Jesus said, hey, we're going to Galilee or we're going to Nazareth or we're going to wherever, we'd be like, okay. I think this morning, what we're going to talk about um, translates directly into that, because we don't wake up that way, right? We don't wake up that way. We wake up and we think, what do I have to get done? But we also think, maybe what does God want me to do today, right? Like, maybe we think that and we're like, maybe, you, maybe you've got a big decision that's been weighing on your heart and you're trying to figure out what you want to do or what God wants you to do, and you're trying to discern this. So what do you do? Just pray? Try to think of, like, pros and cons, make lists if you're like me, right? And, and, you, and, you're tr- and we, we try to discern. And I would argue that this is probably the greatest thing in the Christian life that is that is perplexing to us. It's the, how do I know what God wants for me? How do I know what, where I should go? It's, I don't have Jesus waking up next to me going, hey, we're going here. So how do we do this? And I think this morning we're going to, we've been going through our spiritual disciplines, right? And, and we're doing this again. And I'm just going to, we're just going to continue to anchor this. These are not things that you need to do in order to be considered worthy of your God. These aren't things that you need to do in order to get God to love you more. As I think Ryan said last week, or maybe it was BJ, like he, he can love you no more and he can love you no less. You are an adopted child of God. You are an heir of the kingdom of God. And so that's not what these disciplines are about. These disciplines are means of grace. They're ways that, that we draw close to God. And when we draw close to God, we reflect him in our lives and, and we experience him as our father. And so we've talked about reading scripture, right? And we, we go to God's words that he wrote and preserved for us, specifically for you and I to open this thing up and go, what does God think about this? And this is one way that we have access to his grace, where he pours it out on us. Every morning we open this thing up, or every day or night or whenever you do this, you open this up and you, you read what God wanted you to read, what he preserved in text. And then last week, Ryan talked about it, like we can actually like crawl up on the lap of our father and speak with him, talk to him, maybe argue with him, listen to him. 
And we have this embrace, this, this loving Father that wants to hear us go to him in prayer. And in both of those environments, we get this intimacy with God that we otherwise would not have. And so you could look at this as going, oh, I gotta, I gotta read, I gotta pray. No, that's not it at all. From God's perspective, he's, he's opening his arms and he's welcoming us in to experience him more closely, more intimately. And this morning, we're gonna talk about fasting. It's no different. In fact, most often in scripture, when fasting is mentioned, it says prayer and fasting. And so we're going to explore this. And i got to be honest with you guys. I'm going to be preaching on something I know nothing about. I, regrettably, I have to say that because this week, it was everything I could do to not want to not fast so I didn't have to say that last statement. But the reality is it's been a handful of times, and I don't think any time that I've fasted as I've now poured through the scriptures, and I've gone, yeah, I, I wasn't doing that for the right reasons. <laughs> and so this morning, I'm going to tell you what I read and what I believe God has for us in scripture and, and what fasting is, because the reality is, is that we don't fast. Followers of Christ historically don't fast. Um, I mean, sorry contemporary followers of Christ, right? It's been something that we've gotten further and further away from. And so we're going to go to Scripture, and there's numerous. There, we could spend a lot of time talking about fasting, and so I, I promise you I'm not going to be able to get through all of this today. I'll share with you some articles on the Facebook page so that you can read some more in-depth stuff because there's a lot of stuff, and I'm not going to give you like a how-to. We're not all... And I'll just say this, we're not all going to walk out of here signing some card saying that we're going to fast on some day next week, okay? Because I think that misses the mark. This is, there's, there's a motivation, there's a heart condition that's associated with this. And that's not something I can impress upon you no more than I can tell you, hey, you got to read Galatians, right? I can say it, um, but it's up to you, right? And so what we're going to find this morning is that God has given us fasting, and it's something that is difficult for us to understand, and I think, honestly, it's very difficult for us not to um, legalize, make it legalistic, because it's very easy. It's something that starts and stops. It's something that you can go, I can absolutely fast, and I can, actually, and I can successfully fast, or I can miserably fast, right? I can, I can, I can fast over breakfast and, uh, and, and just go on with my day as if it meant nothing, and so it's, it's very convoluted. So we're going to go to Scripture, and we're going to read what Scripture has, what Jesus actually said about it. We're going to read Matthew chapter 9. And honestly, there's not a lot in the New Testament about fasting. There's a lot in the Old Testament. We're going to kind of translate between the Old and the New, and that's exactly what Jesus does in Matthew chapter 9. Before we get there, let me pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to open up your word and to see what you have for us in this. And Honestly, God, we come before you hesitantly um, because this seems like it's a a thing to do, it seems like um, for some of us, maybe it, it, it crosses that mark of, of doing something to earn your favor, um, or it, it 
feels like it's some super spiritual act. God, would you remove all of our preconceived notions of this? Help us to read your word. Allow your Holy Spirit to convict each of us as you would have us to be convicted and grow us in this because we want to know you. We want to experience your grace. And we want to glorify you with our lives. In the name of your son we pray. Amen. All right, Matthew chapter 9. We're going to start in verse 14 and read through 17, and we're going to go back up. We're going to kind of work our way through this. It says, Then the disciples of John came to him, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wine skins. If it is, the skins burst and the wine is spilled and the skins are destroyed. But the new wine is put into fresh wine skins, and so both are preserved. This is a challenging verse, primarily because there are three cultural references of which we know very little about. <laughs> And so we got we to gotta get through those things as we step through this, right? Like those metaphors probably didn't ring true. Maybe if you're a, uh, maybe if you spent a lot of time in front of a sewing machine, maybe, maybe the one is applicable. The wineskin, I'm guessing nobody in here is familiar with. Uh, I mean, maybe you're familiar with it, but probably haven't actually used a wineskin before. Um, so, so what do we have here? So first off, okay, Jesus makes, there's, there's players in this metaphor, and, and the first metaphor is he talks about the bridegroom and the wedding guests, okay? So what he's saying is, he, the, the question was asked about his disciples and him, right? He's the groom, they're the wedding guests, okay? Um, now, don't, don't take this, uh, this is not a, um, it, it's a, it's like a half metaphor of Christ and the church, because if it's Christ in the church, the church is the bride, but the disciples are the wedding guests. So it doesn't, it doesn't fully play out the exact same. But what he's doing here is he's saying, hey, listen, when the groom is here, the wedding guests aren't going to be mourning and aren't going to be fasting. Now, when the groom leaves, then they will. Okay, so... So this is the picture, right? This is when, when presented with this question, Jesus responds with this. And so I have to, I have to say that, that Jesus' instruction here must be the most pertinent for us, even though it's a little bit difficult for us to understand these things, right? So, but what we can look at is we know that when a, when a bride and a groom, right, and that wedding happens, it's a time of celebration. It's a time of joy, right? The guests have come, and when the groom arrives, whatever that context looks like, I know in our culture it's more of like when the bride appears, you know, but, you know, whatever, right? Like when this happens, it's a time for jubilation and celebration. It's not a time for mourning. And so this is the contrast that Jesus puts together. So he ties mourning with fasting. Not mourning as in the day, right? But mourning, like crying and weeping. That, that's what he, they say. Why don't they fast? And he says, they don't mourn because of this. See, mourning and fasting were tied together. What I want you to do, 
So we're going to go back to Leviticus, and we're going to look to see what the historical uh, account is for fasting in the Old Testament. Okay, So it's in Leviticus chapter 16, verse 29. It says, And it shall be a statute to you forever, that in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict yourselves and shall do no work, either the native or the stranger who sojourns among you. For on this day shall atonement be made for you to cleanse you. You shall be clean before the Lord from all your sins. It is a Sabbath of solemn rest to you, and you shall afflict yourselves. It is a statute forever. And the priest who is anointed and consecrated as priest in his father's place shall make atonement wearing the holy linen garments. He shall make atonement for the holy sanctuary. And he shall make atonement for the tent of meeting and for the altar. And he shall make atonement for the priests and for all the people of the assembly. And this shall be a statute forever for you, that atonement may be made for the people of Israel once in the year because of all their sins. And Aaron did as the Lord commanded Moses. Is there a word in there that we read a lot? What was it? Atonement. Praise God, Jesus atoned for our sins. Right? So why were they fasting? They were fasting, right? And this, and this was their annual fast. They fasted more than that. They fasted. And, and you can read in the book of Esther, before Esther goes before the king, and she's afraid that she's going to die, she asks all of Israel to fast with her. And she goes, if I perish, I perish. So she's going and she's fasting. She's not asking God what to do. She's just kind of mourning. She's like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what God's will is in this. Or Ezra when Ezra leaves Babylon to go and establish uh, Israel again, he tells, he tells the Babylonian king, don't worry, God's going to protect us. And then he takes like five steps out, and he's like, you know, I'm a little afraid. <laughs> and, and he even says for embarrassment, he didn't go back to the king and ask for soldiers. And so what does he do? He, he goes, you know what, instead of doing that, we're going to fast, and we're going to pray for God's will in this. And you can read example after example of David weeping and, and fasting and mourning over, over what does God want. And they were perplexed because they just didn't know. They didn't know what their sins looked like in light of God. Were, did God favor them at this time or did God not favor them? You see, that was their predicament. When they had lived faithfully, God favored them. And God rescued them. When they didn't live favorably, he disciplined them. And so what did they know? They didn't know. They, they just mourned and repented and fasted and sought the face of God. And so they were in this weird place where they just didn't know who God was. They, they didn't know what God was going to do with their circumstances. Okay, now go back to Matthew. In verse 15, Jesus responds and he says, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? So this is peculiar, isn't it? If that's what the Levitical law said, and that's what they did in the Old Testament, right? And fasting was a, was a regular thing. Why? Why when Jesus is with them, do they not? And Jesus says this very clearly. I mean, it, at least we can declare that, that Jesus is making a statement about who he is here. 
right? If I were to say to you guys, you don't need to fast, you don't need to pray when you're with me, leave. (laughs) But when Jesus says, no, they don't need to fast when they're in my presence, well, that needs to throw a flag up, and we need to go, well, why? Why is that the case? When he's around, the annual feast doesn't pertain. And then look at what it says next. It says, The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. When Jesus leaves, they will fast. He doesn't say, if they fast, they'll fast like this. You see, it's not a commandment to fast. It's an assumption. And in fact, if you read through Scripture, it's a lot of the way that God deals with prayer as well. It's an assumption that we're going to pray. When you pray, pray like this. It doesn't say if you pray. When you fast, fast like this. And we'll get to that scripture here in a second, right? So, so what is he saying? He, this, is, this is an inevitable thing that the children of God, the heirs of the kingdom of God, are going to do. They are going to fast. They are going to prayer. pray. That is, that is what Jesus is saying here. And so we immediately look at this mirror and we go, Ugh. well, then, <laughs> how and what and how, how do we do this, Okay. All right, so now we get into verse 16. And I will tell you, I've, I've read these verses many times, and, and I've taken them to, um, in a generality, but I've never put them in this context. And this is the same context he uses in Mark as well, same context in Luke. As soon as Jesus finishes saying this, in verse 16, he says, no one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, The patch tears away from the garment, and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into new old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst, and wine is spilled, and the skins are destroyed. Does Jesus care about uh, sewing and (laughs) wineskins? What's he saying? What's he saying? He's saying that there's something different here. He's saying that, that his bringing of the kingdom of God has changed things. They're different. You see, the gospel doesn't fast in the same way that the Old Testament did. It's different. Well, what's different about it? What's different? Why is it that that when Jesus leaves, the disciples are going to fast again, but, but when he's present with them, they don't fast? What did I ask at the beginning? What do you do when you're with Jesus? What would you do if you woke up? You're around a campfire, and there's Jesus. Are you trying to figure out what you're going to do that day? No. Are you worried about Jesus bouncing on you and leaving and abandoning you? No. You're together. You're with him, right? So what's the difference? What's the difference? What's this new fast look for? We're no longer mourning and going before a God that, that's there, that's up there somewhere, that maybe happy with me or may not be happy with me. We're not going before him going, Man, I, I hope he's on my side this time. I just don't know what's going to happen. 
I know he's sovereign, but I don't know what's going to happen. Well, now the kingdom of God has come. Jesus has come. He's rescued us. He has adopted us into his kingdom. We are now children. We are children who are being molded and shaped into his likeness. He looks at us and he sees the purity of his son. Our sins have been forgiven. Our our palate is wiped clean. Like we don't need to worry that that God is somehow dissatisfied with, with your week this week or dissatisfied with you or loves you any less. No. Not at all. In fact, we get to go before God and he treats us like his child. And we can cry out, Abba, Father. And we can crawl up into his lap and talk to him. We can read his words. He has given us his Holy Spirit to dwell inside of us, to convict us, to shape us. And so our fasting is totally different now. We now fast expectantly. We fast with confidence. We don't go, I wonder if God is going to be for me or against me. We know he's for us. He has already proved that on the cross with his son. He has rescued us. And now the question is simply, what's God's will for my life? And do I have the ability to discern it? Turn over to Romans chapter 12. Verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. How do we discern the will of God? When we read this, we go, okay, well, I guess I should be able to know it. But how do we know God's will in our lives? That's the question. How do we know where God wants us to go? How do we know what God wants us to do? What's the decision he wants us to make? You see, this is really, fasting is the response of humility both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, but just with different motivations, right? In the Old Testament, right, these people, like before Christ had brought the kingdom, they were going humbly before God, going, I don't know what you have in store for me. Now we go humbly before God, going, I know that you have my best in interest and your glory, and so I can treat you differently. I can treat you like a father. I know that you care for me. And so I can go to the throne of grace, with confidence. And that's what it says in Hebrews, right? Like we can go and we can present our requests to God. And he promises us this, that we will be able to discern what is good and acceptable and perfect. That is, if, if I could know exactly what God wants for my life, isn't that everything? I mean, really? Is that why we're here? Isn't that why we, why we disciple one, eno- one, one another and why we spend time pouring into each other going, hey, you know, and, and we won't talk in confidence because we're like, I can't really declare what God says. I mean, there's some times when you can, but, 
right, when you're dealing with sin issues and things like that. But otherwise, it's kind of like, maybe God's doing this, or maybe God's doing that. Ron Hetrick and I were just talking uh, this morning about just like what God has done in his life. And it's like, and, and navigating the, the will of God in our lives is, is a sordid affair. Wouldn't it be beautiful if you could just know? But he says that we can, that he wants to tell us what his will is. The question is, are we going to God? Seeking his will in our lives. Seeking his opinion and his feelings on the matter instead of echoing our own. Seeking his kingdom, not building our own kingdom. You see, that's the difference. That's the problem. That's our difficulty because when we go to God, when we go to God in prayer even, we go to him trying to muddle our way through this. And we've got these inputs of the world in our lives. And honestly, you guys, often the reason our prayers aren't answered is because we're praying for things that God does not want. <laughs> That's the reality. at 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we, and if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. That's bold prayer. But that's prayer in accordance with God's will. It will always be answered. Because at the point where you are praying God's will, it will be answered because it's God's will. You see, what's changed is you, <laughs> not God. How? How does this happen? How, how do we discern God's will more clearly? You see, and this is the rub. And this is why God gave us fasting. This is why. This is the connection that Jesus is making here. He's saying, do you understand that they are going to fast? They are going to fast. They're going to do it. They don't do it while I'm here. Why? Because they know what they're doing. They know what my will is because I speak my will to them when we get up in the morning and we go wherever we go. But when I leave, they're going to be trying to figure things out. Now, he has given us, right? When Jesus leaves, he gives us his Holy Spirit to indwell us, right? To remind us, to convict us, to guide us, to counsel us. And yet there's this block. There's this dilemma that we have. And so what do we do? You see, the problem is that we have our fill of this world. Our stomachs are full, our minds are consumed with every app on our phone, every video game or every Netflix show that just came out. And we fill ourselves with these things and we find our contentment. It's false contentment, it's not going to last, but it's contentment nonetheless. 
and we live and we think we're good. And then we go before God in that state and we pray. And we pray about things that have to do with food and possessions and entertainment and things that are of this world. And so this is, what, this is why God gave us fasting. He goes, take that. Move that to the side. Fill that space with me. Seeking me. Seeking my will. I will tell you guys, I, I am excited because I'm going to do this this next week. And, I, you know, and, and I'm excited because, honestly, right now, if you ask me what am I thinking about, I mean, I'm thinking about this, but I think about a lot of things. And I'd hate to know what the percentage is (laughs) of what the things are that are for God's will and what are mine. And I think that's true for all of us. And so what he promises us is that as we fast, as we put aside these things, that's that's the key for us to know his will. It's not special. It's not like it's a special tool that you're going to pull out that, that God is now bound to answer your prayers because you fasted. That's not it. And, and if you're not careful, <laughs> trust me, I was reading a lot of stuff on fasting. And it can very easily slip into a works-based thing. It can very easily slip into... I've been praying for this. Maybe I wasn't praying hard enough, or maybe I need to just fast. Then God will answer. No, you're going to fast, and God willing, you're going to discern that your prayer wasn't what God wanted. (laughs) That's probably what's going to happen, because you're going to then discern God's will, because that's what he tells us. That's what he promises us. You know, I quoted it last week on prayer. God promises us, and from Philippians chapter 4, God promises us peace when we ask him things. Why? Because if you know it's with God's will or not, you'll have peace. If you know that what you're asking for, God's like, that's not what's going to happen, you know, well, guess I'm moving on. (laughs) If he says that is going to happen, you go, praise God. Either way, you have peace. And so this is what he promises us. So, so how then do we fast? I'm going to just give you four quick points here at the end, okay? And this is not like Tuesdays, okay? And it's not, and I'm going to leave that to your discretion because honestly, I think that's where God works in each of us individually. But there's one very clear thing that Jesus says that this world and us as Christians aren't good at, and that's that we should fast privately. Now, I'm going to stop for a second before we get to the scripture. There is room for corporate fasting, okay? Obviously, that would not be private fasting. But in our daily or weekly or methodical, continual, fervent fasting and prayer with God, nobody else should know about that. In fact, what he says in Matthew 6, 16, so just a couple chapters before where we're talking about here, says, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in heaven. 
who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. That wasn't the verse I was looking for there. Sixteen, thank you. Not six. <laughs> uh, and when you fast, <laughs> do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will, will reward you. You know what's amazing in this? Who's the hypocrite? It's kind of funny, actually, if you read this. He says, listen, don't be like the hypocrites who make it obvious to everybody that they're fasting. Instead, hide your fasting. Isn't hiding your fasting hypocritical? Isn't that hypocrisy? Showing one thing but doing another? But he says that that's hypocrisy. Why is it hypocrisy? Because what's the point? What are you hungry for? That's the hypocrisy that he's talking about here. What are, the, what are the hypocrites hungry for? They're hungry for the attention of others. They're not hungry for discerning God's will. That's the hypocrisy. They're making it look like they, know, they want to know God's will, but really, they don't. So first, fast privately, and I would say that that is a good guard of our own hearts. It's a good guard. Fast to discern. If you look at Acts chapter 13, 1 through 3, I won't turn over there, but you can read it on the screens. But this is where in the New Testament, there's really two occasions where it mentions fasting, and it's to discern God's will. It's, it's to appoint Barnabas and Saul to, to go out. And it's, it's them seeking God's will. Like, is this, is this right? Is this what we should do? When we as the elders and pastors are, are installing or appointing another elder, like, that's what we're doing. Like, this is important. And all we know is what we think. And so we're trying to discern God's will. And so what do they do? They go and they pray and they fast. And they send them off. So fast to discern God's will. Fast to add, not subtract. Turn over to Colossians 3.2. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Set your mind on things above. Second Corinthians talks about setting your mind on things that are unseen, not on the things that are seen. See, don't just remove something and go about your day. That's not the point. The point is to fill that gap with Christ. The point is to take the meal that you were doing, fasting from and put in Scripture, put in prayer, put in service, put in whatever that looks like. Use that time to draw near to God. Don't just think that if you're, it's this, it becomes asceticism when you're just, I'm just going to deny myself something for the sake of denying myself something. That, that gains nothing. That, there is no purpose in that. The purpose of fasting is to discern God's will. You earn no heaven bucks by just removing something from your life. The goal, the objective the source of grace that God has for us is when we seek his face. And fast expectantly. 
You cannot read that Romans 12 or 1 John verse and think that God is trying to keep his will from us. He isn't. He wants us to know his will. You guys agree with that? Seriously. Like, he wants you to know what you should do in your life. This is, this is the beauty of the gospel. This is the beauty of being able to, to call Christ our Savior and Lord, that he cares for us and loves us. And so we can go to him expectantly and say, God, I want to know your will. And I don't, I don't want these other things distracting me. I want to see you and your will clearly in my life. So what do you fast? How often do you fast? When do you fast? I don't know. I don't know. Talk to God about it. He'll allow you to discern. You don't have to just fast food. I mean, honestly, I think the reason why you see a lot of food fasting is because they didn't have all the luxuries that we have. What did they have? Really good food. <laughs> Maybe a blanket. I mean, honestly, we have a lot of things that we can fast. And so the question really, I think, for each of you and me is, what's the thing that's causing my mind to be fixated this side of heaven? That's probably the thing that you need to fast. Or that's, let me, let me be more clear, that's probably the thing that's obscuring your ability to discern God's will. How often? How long? Please don't go and just do some like crazy, insane fast and you know die and like <laughs> right. That's not that's not God's objective here. He'll he'll dis you'll you'll discern His will prior to that. I promise you. You're no good to Him. Dead. Um, you know I, I will tell you different employment is different too. Like when I was flying, I I very much could not fast. You know because of my own ability to stay conscious while I was flying. So, um, you know, and some of you might have jobs in different circumstances and stuff like that where you need to be operating at different, you know, capacities, and that may not be a good time to fast. And so I, you know, from a food perspective, and so talk about it. Talk about it in your families. Talk about it to your friends. Talk about it in your small groups. Talk about it and see where, where God is leading you personally. And maybe there's a corporate fast. Maybe, maybe you guys, maybe in a small group or in, you know, whatever, or maybe we're like, hey, let, let's do this. Okay, that's fine. I just want to reemphasize the point that God will love you no more, and he will love you no less, and he does not promise to answer your prayers just because you fasted. But he is a good God, and he wants us to know his will. I'm going to pray.